Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts, innovators, creators, storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. And I'm Grace Duffy, and this is the show that keeps you up to date on the world of social media and more. And on today's show, we have our friend Ross Brand with us, and we're talking about what else? Live video. And he wrote the book on live streaming and digital media trends and actually came back with a sequel a few months ago. So we have that in our, uh, if you're watching us on Amazon Live, that's down there in the carousel. So grab yourself a copy or two and give them to all your friends. <laughs> and today we're, but today we're going to be talking about what it takes to launch a live show, the skills, the connections, and Ross's proven techniques. And we're also going to ask him about where he sees the future of live video evolving and adapting, especially in light of new technology. So, Ross, how are you doing today, my friend? Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. This is so much fun. I'm so glad to be a part of the show. I've been watching for a long time. Uh, thank you. Thank you, my friend. So if you guys don't know who Ross is, you've probably not been on the Internet, but I'll introduce you to him. He is the founder of Livestream Universe, and he, Ross connects brands with customers and helps creators monetize their talent and expertise. And he's been an on-air personality for live streaming brands, a brand ambassador for Wirecast, and a lead uh, organizer for all these virtual events that we've been talking about. So Switcher Studio selected Ross as one of the five live video experts to follow. Clout named him one of the world's number one live streaming experts in social media. His 100 live streaming and digital media prediction series is a number one bestseller in six countries and the winner of nine book awards. So make sure you check that out in the carousel down below if you're on Amazon. And he just released part two this past April, 100 live streaming and digital media predictions, volume two. I've been going through that on my Kindle because there is a Kindle version, which is very, very cool. Nice. Uh, so uh, he, he is the man when it comes to um, live streaming and all that. So make sure you get ready with your questions down below. But first of all, somebody else who is amazing with live video is our friends over at Ecamm. And this show is brought to you today by our friends over at Ecamm. You go to socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. And right now, they're doing a great sale for new for new users. Uh, they're doing 30% off if you go to, uh, you can use this link, but when you get to their landing page, you just um, add the, uh, the promo code is July 30. That's all capital, all smashed together. Um, and it's going to run all this month. So you want to make sure you get this, but it's 30% off and it's only for new customers. But if you haven't tried Ecamm yet, uh, you need to try it because it's pretty amazing. It's what we use for this show. So anyway, um, Grace, let's just kick it off to this first section because uh, we got Ross for a short amount of time and I want to pick his brain as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we invite people on the show to help us. Uh, free up, consulting. So that's that's, free that's the number one well, thing I look for in a guest. So that's yeah, and, and, and we pay you good. an exposure, Ross. So <laughs> yes, I love that. I think I think you like. I, I don't know about you, but my bank takes that for my mortgage. So you know. <laughs> yeah, they they actually you can cash in the likes and the comment numbers and the shares and <laughs> yes, stuff and get. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, I know, right? <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about building your video skills. So our, our industry, sure. of course, we talk a lot about the tools, the platforms, 
you've worked with some of the best in the world. You know, we talk about gear for live streaming, like, you know, like just cool microphone there. We've got our friends, Ian Anderson Gray, Molly Mahoney, Loria Petrucci, tackling confidence on camera, getting you in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Our friends like Owen Video talk about how to use live video for your business. And so, you know, you do as well. And then the you know, and as we saw with the last couple of years, the pandemic saw this exponential growth of live video when it came to classes, virtual events, meetups, and more. But let's talk about the actual skills you need to run a successful and thriving live video series. And I want to kick off this with like interviewing guests because interviewing interviewing skills, not everyone is created the same, but we do believe right. they all can be taught, right? Or else we wouldn't be doing what we Absolutely. do. Absolutely. <laughs> but I would love to get your insights and your advice on what it takes, uh, you know, what it takes to take the lead on a conversation and, you know, make sure it, you keep it interesting for your audience. Well, I think you guys do this really well because I always have tried to think in terms of threes when I'm doing an interview, almost like three segments. I have three sort of topics excuse me, or themes that I want to talk about when I have a guest on. And then I that's loosely structured. So as I go along, I may stick with one the entire time or I may, uh, you know, jump off one and go to the next quickly. But the idea is you have a way to keep the show moving. And also you have something to talk about that's coming up and you have something to talk about that you've done before, which is, of course, encouraging people to stick around and reminding people who just join there's something worth going back on the replay to check out. Mm. Absolutely. So what is your advice for keeping your show on track? For instance, you know, how do you stop an incessant talker? And or alternatively, how do you? I'm from New Jersey. We just you just start talking over the person when you have something to say. (laughs) You let them talk until you have something to say and you talk right over them. No, I mean, there's polite ways you can do it. You can bring it back. Um, You can remind one of the fail safes is, you know, say we want to make sure that we have time to get to your new course launch. So uh, I just want to move ahead to talking about this or, you know. Um, that's really interesting, but we've, I want, you know, our audiences wants to talk. I, I, you, you just have to do it. And sometimes you just ask the next question, um, you know, but you have to do it and it's, it can be awkward for a second, but if you think in terms of not that you're insulting your guests, but that you're looking out for your audience, um, you got to think of everybody who's showed up to watch and what, what they're there for as well. But you can give people a little bit of leeway as well to go on there, to go on their tangent, but not too far. Right. Because you got to keep it tight and you want to stay on topic. And in the end, you're not really helping them if you let them go too far afield. Absolutely. So what do you do if someone won't talk like they'll they'll be like you ask them a question like, yep. Nope. Grace, Grace, I interview live streamers, podcasters, startup founders, and people who generally have a product or a service. I have never had a problem getting them to speak. Um, But, you know, one thing you can do is just stay quiet and they'll naturally want to fill in the space. Or, you know, you may just ask a more open-ended question. Uh, But you know with the people kind of people that we have on it's not usually an issue 
Yeah, everyone loves a live stream where you're just awkwardly staring at each other. <laughs> it's we've only had a couple people where it felt like I've really had to like draw. You know, they'll give a one word answer and you're like, okay, this is gonna be tough. Um, right. One of the it's things. It's always the person who asks to come on your show. Who that I know, does right? That, right. It's like, well, you you asked to come on the show. I you really weren't on my hit list, but you know, you asked to come on the show. I accommodated you, and now you don't want to talk. Okay. I'll just admit, all of us have all of us are thinking about a certain person in our mind right now. <laughs> Don't put their name in the comments. Don't put their name in the comments, please. Don't yeah. put their name in the comments. Yeah. All right, Jeff. So, take what, it away. Well, one of the things that I have d learned uh, from doing this is because you know you'll notice that I go like when Ross is talking, I'll go full screen on him and then I'll bring it back. And usually, if somebody's talking for a long time, if I bring it back to a three screen, that usually usually shuts them up. But not all the time. But that's a cue to like, yeah. Okay. And and if I know somebody's gonna be like, I've no, I've watched their shows because I usually research and you know I know how they they are. I'll even say in the pre-show in the green room, going like, listen, just to keep things tight. Like when I go back to the three screen, that's when you want to kind of start wrapping things up. And most of the time, they'll get the they'll get the hint. So. Yeah. Uh, we've got somebody over on LinkedIn saying, uh, "Watch Bill Maher, uh, Mayers." Um, I don't know if I said his right his name right. Um, uh, he's uh, to avoid his questions. He was masterful at calling her out. Yeah, you can learn a lot. I think from watching, like I watch, you know, the talk show host. There's a there's a channel now for free where you can watch Johnny Carson, who I still think is the king of <laughs> interviews. He's on twenty four seven. You just watch him over and over and over, which I I like. So. Uh, Send me a link to that later. I yeah, I mean, it's out. I love those old shows. Oh, and he's so good at it. And, you know, the way he handles guests when they go kind of look crazy. Um, and our friend Gary Stockton. Thanks, Gary. I'm watching over on YouTube. He says that tip about sweet, uh, switching back to a three screen is a good one. Yeah, it really does subtly kind of uh, kind of remind people, hey, let's get things kind of wrapped up. So, um, Ross, what is it? We, we just mentioned like Johnny Carson and some of the, the greats. Um, what does it take to be a good interviewer or host? Because we've all seen people who that's not their their skill, but I think you can develop it. So what does it take um, to be a good host? Because you've done thousands of, I think, uh, interviews. Listening is actually the most important interview skill. And you'll see people on TV who paid a lot of money who will mess this up, but they will ask a question and the person they're interviewing will answer what would be their next question. And then they'll look down on their list, then they'll ask a question and you're like, well, she just answered that <laughs> if you were listening. Mm -hmm. Now I know they got a lot of stuff going on, but the importance of listening is that you can then take something that you asked and in that answer may become a more interesting follow-up question than what you were thinking you were going to ask. Mm. As as far as uh, getting experience, you, you just have to practice at it. You can certainly watch other people and see what you like and what you don't like. But one of the best ways to develop is to interview people that you don't know and you don't know anything about. So, for example, go to an event and just go up to a vendor, let's say, uh, uh, who has a display and a product, right? And you don't know them, you don't know anything about the product, and, and just ask them, so what kind of product do you have here? And they'll answer something, and then the only next question you can build on is what they said. And you can do an entire interview with somebody 
just based off of listening to their answers and then asking either a more penetrating question or asking for them to expound on that or asking them about something that's going on related in their industry or how you would use that product. It's really interesting how you can, once you start getting into this, you can ask questions um, and, and really conduct actually an interesting interview without actually having to know the person or what they do or, or really have any preparation. And then that skill you bring back in your show and you have the ability to kind of go off the top of your head when an opportunity opens up. Doesn't mean you don't have a structure and an idea of what you want to talk about, but you have that ability to, to take it in another direction when that's called for. So I love that advice. I, I do that. Uh, I interview strangers. So, you know, I was just on a, a trip with my daughter and I was interviewing like the bus drivers or whatever, just like, hey, how long have you lived on the island? Da, da. I end up getting private tours of the, <laughs> of the island because just because I was just like, so how long have you lived here? Do you have any children? Where do they go? You know, like all this stuff. So practice on strangers. That is my favorite advice. Oh. Yeah. And everybody's kind of kind of got an interesting story to tell. Like, I, I think anybody that if you ask questions to and you're genuinely curious You'll either learn something about them and their background that you wouldn't have expected, or you'll learn something about the area where you are or the country, the town. It's it's very interesting how much uh, everyday people have to to talk about that you wouldn't expect behind, yeah. you know, just identifying what they're doing at the moment or where they work or something like that. Oh, Absolutely. So I got a, there's a comment over on Amazon Live from Professor Nez says, Ross knows live video better than anyone. He's the mayor of live streaming. So <laughs> that's a great title. The mayor of live streaming. He, I, now I, th- I see the Ross as like, yes, in, a, in a, like a hat and a monocle, like in Monopoly. I don't know why. I just, I just have that in my, my brain. He's the wizard, wizard of live streaming, you know? Like. Um, so, so Ross, is there any resources or anything that like books or classes or trainings that you recommend for like interviewers? Um, you know, you mentioned a great way to, to practice and I think we all need to do that. And we talked about watching some, you know, famous interviewers, but are there any like resources or books or anything that you can recommend for people to, uh, up there. I mean, I, I kind of learned by watching and listening to to other people do it. Um, one of the best things that we used to do in, in, in radio when I was getting started is we would listen to each other's shows and take notes and like kind of do a critique of, you know, where you could have gone better with this or what. And, and you know, that's something I will do for for clients sometimes. And a lot of times it's just like somebody listening to your show one time and and pointing out a couple of things you could have done better and it can make a big difference but there's no substitute for practice you you just got to do it and the great thing about live streaming and digital media is you can do it in real time right you can practice by creating shows and you don't have to publish them all as your pod, podcast or put them all up on youtube but you can you can go live as much as you want and you can delete it afterwards but you can get that practice every day if you want to until it becomes second nature that's a great point so you mentioned earlier being prepared as an interviewer do you have questions like you know you saw our show notes and grace is amazing (laughs) producer right um and we come up with questions and we talk throughout the week and all the stuff do you do you have a list of questions for your show or like how much do you plan and produce your show 
Um, <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> I don't have a lot in front of me. Like, I, I don't have any notes in front of me generally when I'm doing a show. What I have is uh, a lot of people, what they do is they pick who they want to have as a guest and then they figure out what they're they're going to talk about. I figure out what I want to talk about first, and then I pick a guest who can speak to that. Mm -hmm. So I really know when I'm inviting a guest on what I want to talk to them about. And then I have my kind of rule of three, right, where I think about three segments. So I'm going to talk to you about how you got started uh, live streaming, right? I might talk to you about what you're doing with your show now, and then I'm going to talk to you about uh how you're helping the client do some type of project that's going to be on tv or something like that right so i'm thinking in terms and then i'm open to the idea of i'm listening to them and and going where can i where do i want to direct this next do i want to put my foot on the gas when when they say something and go further faster into that area or do i want to pull back and and start going in a different direction and that's kind of like every question is, where do we go next? Um, but I'm listening and I'm saying, what's the what's the nugget of gold in that answer that might be worth exploring more? Or is it time to move on to something else? That's a great point. I think two things I would say before we go to Grace's next question is that one is doing your research, like you were saying, and, and you know, you wanted to interview these people. You've already heard them. You know what they're going to talk about. But the other thing you can learn is the cadence of the way they talk. Because everybody, and I know this from editing podcasts, everybody talks different and there's different natural points to move on or ask a question. And that way you're not, you're not going over each other. And the other thing is, is to, and I use the script for all this and I make a transcript, but you want to, and it's hard to listen to yourself and it's, you just, you know, you need a drink after or something. You know, I mean, because it's just. It does not do your ego any good. At least it doesn't for me. And you see all your, your filler words and all your crutch words and all this stuff. But that, doing that, like looking at a transcript afterwards, you remember that for the next time, most cases. So those are the two things that Absolutely. I would say. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, I, I advise people to make a list of questions ahead of time. Um, it just, for me, it's not, I will find that if I over-prepare, then I'm, I'm, my challenge becomes how do I work in everything I prepared where I just really want to be focused on listening. But if I have a guest on who's talking about a subject that I really don't know much about, then I will make some notes about you know specific questions or specific things to remember to ask them about because um, I want the interview to be productive and I, I don't want to just rely on listening to them alone but still that's the most important skill it's it's definitely listening in, in my estimation what was i had that? a guest what once who did not want questions he told me specifically do not send me questions and i fought everything in my nature to <laughs> not send him questions okay because i, was oh, like, I used to do that i i used to do that because i i just always feel like i'm better off the top of my head than i am yeah. If I think too much about it and then it's like, oh, OK, I know I got to prepare, uh, whereas I think this would have gone fine. If I, but I don't feel that way anymore. I, 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 I enjoy getting the questions ahead of time and thinking about it. And I enjoy being totally surprised by the questions. I, I enjoy it both ways now. So, so our, our, <laughs> but, our... but before it used to make me nervous to get the questions oh. ahead of time. I just more confident in my ability to get on and do it than, than to think about it. Like when I worked in radio, I used to show up like 
as late as I could before I went live. So I wouldn't have to, you know, <laughs> think about it. Think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, I thought a lot about what I wanted to talk about and what the main points were going to be or who I was going to interview or whatever. But um, in terms of those that time beforehand, no, nah, I didn't I didn't really want to look at anything or hear about anything or, you know, sit there in front of the microphone and think about, OK, you got a half an hour till you go. No, 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 no. Well, I think <laughs> when the really theme important. song starts playing, I'll come <laughs> running in. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also very important to know yourself and to know what what you need. So I think that's that's a big that's a good insight too, is to know exactly you know how do you prepare what's what's better for you. So, <laughs> well, one of the things with Grace and I is we do a dance. I mean, we have all our notes here, but we're like, hey, Gary asked this question, let's do this one instead, and. I am blessed to have somebody like Grace on here where I can we it takes the load off of being like what Ross does which is a single interviewer because you have to produce a show you have to listen you have to hit the buttons I have a little bit more leeway because I can cut to Grace she's asking a question I can scan ahead and see you know what the comments are or what our next segment is and that f does at least for us has freed us up because we've been doing this Gosh, what? How many years, Grace? Together? I don't know. Too long. Too long. That's a great before answer. The internet. Before too the internet. Long. Before the internet. Yes. <laughs> back, too long. Back when multi-streaming was like, you actually had to like plug in every every uh, right. <laughs> every platform, right? You had to plug it in individually. Yes. Yeah. And Carlos says he, he's the same way. He says interviewing celebrities. I like having raw, actually uh, curious questions on his live show. So, yeah, that's, you know, it, it, whatever makes you have a better show, you know, but listening, like Ross was saying, is key no matter what type you do. I think the way you guys and and did the notes is really one of the best best that i've seen because you did it thematically and you had the three kind of the three segments or three major topics that are going and then the questions grew out of that um which is is a lot of times you get a list of questions from somebody and it's they're completely they're all over the map. And it's yeah. sort of like, well, how much are we going to talk about that or not talk about that? Like, you know, there'll be one, tell me about what it was like growing up, whatever. And then the next question will be, so what do you plan to do as a live streamer in 30, you know, 2030 or something? You're sort of like, well, where do I go with all this? But you guys really made it so that um, the focus was clear and that there was a topic and then how you were going to dive deeper into it so it actually very much organized the guest thoughts around what what we were going to be discussing and i put that's, the questions that's at all the bottom of, that's all grace yeah, well and i put the questions about about the bottom of the email like even after my goodbye because that way if people want to see them they can and if they don't want to oh you, you did you have it yeah they're at the very bottom <laughs> Hey, you Ross showed up, you had the right link, you paired your channels, you did everything you needed to do. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. That, I, I didn't even think that that was the bottom because that was like, to me, that was the heart of the email. So oh. that's, it's you know, the never the and was where I spent all my time. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, you showed up, you got, you got the right link. So, I mean, you got, you got to where you need to be. So that's super important. Yeah. <laughs> so in all the interviews you've done, Roz, and I know you've done thousands of them, and this is this is this is what I love. I love hearing people's stories. What has been the biggest surprise or shock, good or bad, when you are in the middle of interviewing someone, and how how did you handle it? Okay, so the first time 
I was in an NBA locker room. I was quite nervous. It was my first time and uh, you know covering pro sports and I was in an NBA locker room. It was the opening game for uh, the home team and the station that I worked for was doing the post game show. They broadcast the game and now we were on the the station's post game show and my job was to go into the locker room and interview a player or two and then bring that at that time tape out and you know you plug that into the board and the host goes and ross brands with so and so and he would play that interview and then the interview was over so this is my first time doing it it was basically live to tape right there's going to be no editing and you know i'm seeing all these players walking around that like you know i've watched since i was you know, in junior high or something like that in, in elementary school. And, you know, I'm a little overwhelmed and I, I couldn't think of anything to say. And I, I went up to the star player and said something like, you know, he scored a lot of points. I was like, well, the guys were really looking for you tonight or whatever. And he just looked into looked at me and goes, yeah, and said nothing else. <laughs> and I gave him a look like, Oh, so that's how we're going to do this or what? Like, I just was like so surprised that he would be that much of a bleep after, <laughs> you know, he just was the player of the game and everything else. Um, he's now a major Internet troll. But if uh, people follow <laughs> ex-basketball players who are Internet trolls, they may know who I'm talking about. But anyway, partly because I was stunned by the answer and partly because I had this sort of surprised, like, really that's how you're gonna do this and i just held the mic there and eventually i guess it dawned on him that he would come off looking worse than i would because you know for me uh, it was my first time on the show nobody knows who i am but you know he's he's somebody <laughs> so like he kind of he kind of then started acting right but in the beginning i was like what a yeah, I to this day I don't like the guy. <laughs> From that one interview, yeah. Ross, no second chances, day, like one time. That's it. You got one chance. That's it. No, I, I mean I don't like him because I don't like how he's right, how his he attitude. acts yeah. online and on his yeah. TV appearances even today. But yeah, I get that it. being said, like it worked out okay because eventually he goes. Oh, geez, maybe I better talk because then I start looking like first he's like, I got this guy. But then he's like, oh, you know what? If I don't start talking, then I look like a bad guy. <laughs> so, you know, we talked a little bit about how how um, polished the show has and, you know, being live versus raw. But Gary brings up a great question, and I know you've had to deal with it. He goes, the thing that comes up a lot for me is people with poor sound or lighting. So how do you, so I still remember one time we'd always, when I worked, when we worked for another company, Grace and I, we would, a lot of times we do like a call before to make sure their tech would work and all that stuff. And we did it, it was fine. And then she showed up at a different location, like yes. with like Wi-Fi that was cutting in and out. And I'm like, why did we do a test at a place right. that you're not going to be at? <laughs> it's, I mean, anyway, so We've all had to deal with that. So how do you deal with, you know, like Gary's question, the dealing with poor sound or lighting with your guests? 
Well, again, the good thing about interviewing podcasters and live streamers <laughs> is they usually have some experience with this and will have decent sound and, and, and decent lighting. Um, but I, first of all, audio over video, right? Good sound. The show goes on. We still have a podcast afterwards. Um, bad, bad lighting I can live with. Bad audio you're going to lose your audience because the value in the content is largely in the audio, whether it's on a live video platform or it's on uh, a podcast platform. Uh, but I just remind the guest, I, I test it out ahead of time with them, like a f five, 10 minutes before they go on and, you know, raise your level, lower your level. You might want to put in head mm -hmm. headphones or earbuds so that there's no echo can you close the window or close the door? Is it possible the dog could be barking in a different room? You know, stuff like that is is how you deal with the audio. I mean, um, most people are looking to follow along because they want to come across well. So it, I, I don't think it's a it's a huge challenge, but it also helps if you get it right on your own. Mm. So, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with at the beginning is that they they're trying to find guests for their show so how do you find because i mean you have stellar panels because i've been on it no i'm because yes. i've been on it with stellar people <laughs> i don't know why you picked me but some amazing you know panels when you have when you do your your kind of your your live streaming that we've been doing you know um gosh i've been on the last two but they're they're really great folks that you get. So how do you find guests? And like, is there a strategy you use? I mean, because you're you seem to you're always finding these new people that are just fabulous. Um, well, again, I start with what I'm I'm going to talk about, and then I go to who can speak to that really well. And the great thing about you, Jeff, and just being totally honest, is that you have a, a really wide skill set, and you have a lot of experience. So. There's almost nothing that I would talk about that I, I don't think you could you wouldn't be able to bring insight to. Um, but that's where I start. And then I think about, you know, who presents themselves professionally, who has some some genuine knowledge, expertise in the area, who plays nice with others on a panel. Um, you know, who do I like? I, I mean, that's kind of. You know, in the beginning, I interviewed everybody and anybody who was doing live video. And now I've kind of narrowed my my field down to kind of who do I like to talk to about this? or Who do I like to talk to about that? Or who goes well on a panel? Who goes well in a long form interview? Um, or who works for a company that's doing something and let's get, you know, 10 minutes on their new release or, or what have you. So it's all about what I want to talk about, what's in the news, what the topic is, and then, you know, what does the person bring to it? So we have a comment here from Andy Lyons, and she says she finds guests on Twitter and pitch events. And then she also says that PR agencies send her terrific guests too. Now we get pitched quite a bit, like, for the show and then for, for the company I work for. So I would love to know how, what your experience is in terms of PR companies. Of course, the, of course, they're hired to promote their person. But do you do anything additional to vet them or are you just like, OK, whatever? You know, how do you how do you handle that? I, I generally will only take a guess if it's from somebody in my network recommending unless it's um, I, I, I mean, somebody recommended a Major League Baseball player. I didn't say no to that, 
right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, if somebody, you know, recommends a, a marketer or whatever, I've, I've got marketers within my network who, you know, who are fantastic. I don't necessarily need to help somebody I don't know promote something I've never used and, and don't know anything about, right? Um, so I would rather bring on a marketer who, you know, has a show of their own that I like, that that's had me on, that that works for product that I enjoy using. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, my show is very, my shows are very much about what I think the audience wants to hear and what I'm excited to talk about, and then who I think can add to that and who can bring a different perspective or bring some real expertise or knowledge from from using that skill set or that product and when i do that um i already have people who i've i've vetted for a long time i mean like you know with the great thing about doing the books and the annual predictions and stuff is you know, I don't have to go far to find somebody who can talk about live streaming, podcasting, tech, gear, startups, uh, you know, e-commerce, any of these type of topics that, that would come up on one of my shows. Mm. So that's good. So um, there's a, a question from Gary, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I thought it was a good one. He goes, after Jeff C., Judy Fox was my all-time favorite guest. Uh, well, thank you, Gary. I don't. You, you, we need to raise your standards uh, for that first one. Do you have any favorites? So, do you have? You mentioned that major league baseball player. Do you have any other ones that kind of your your go to? Uh, to be honest, I'm really enjoying the people that I've had on the panel. Mm, um, yeah. I'm really enjoying um, uh, beyond the people that I've had on the panel. Um, Jennifer Quinn. Jenny yeah, Q was great. the first yeah. guest that I ever had on a show because I thought she was fantastic. And, and so I wanted to start off. So she's a, she's an all time favorite. She's been on many times. We've always had a blast. Um, I, I don't know if you know, coach Jenny, Jenny Mustafa Julak. She was actually my second guest and she was on one of the panels and she's fantastic. Um, she, she does coaching and is an author and a speaker and, uh, so those are those are two of my favorites. Uh, Michael Kenny Kenny's been a good friend over years, and I, I love having him on. But uh, Louise McDonald, uh, who's uh, an author and marketer in Ireland and a terrific live streamer, and uh, audiences seem to love love what she's got to say. I mean, there's so many people. I, I'm leaving out so many people. Um, Mitch Jackson's been a, a guest over the years. He's always a terrific communicator and storyteller. Um, I, yeah. I hate that I, to mention some. People I know. I know. I, I, that's, that's why I left the camera on you, so I'd force you to answer. Um, <laughs> There's so many. I mean, look at the. You know, like you just look at the people who who I've had on over the years, and you know, very rarely. I mean, very rarely does somebody not get invited back because they weren't good. Most people are good. Um, that I that I think do this stuff. I mean, it's just a matter of like who's who who can speak to what I'm what I like to talk about today, right? And right. who's who, and and who plays nicely? Like, you know, you have some people who you know are going to reciprocate in some way. They're going to promote. They're going to they're going to go above and beyond with enthusiasm for your audience. And maybe they don't promote, maybe they don't share a lot, or maybe mm -hmm. they've never had me on, but they always come with a great show and they're super enthusiastic and the audience loves them. That's fine. 
other people may be more likely to get an invite back because they're super generous in terms of promoting, in terms of having me on or what have you. Um, but it's all about kind of who I enjoy having on and who my, enjoy, my audience enjoys. That's a great point. So we, um, there is a question of, and we, before we move on to, well, it kind of, it has sure. to deal with this, this question. The next section is where is live video going and pocket video school has uh, this, they go, uh, how do you deal with no live video viewers on your streams? And so, um, you know, there's been some talk about live streaming kind of, you know, diminishing and not as getting great as returns as before. Well, how do you answer this question? How do you deal with no live viewers on your streams? The same way you would deal with it if you showed up and you found out that there were a million viewers watching your stream. <laughs> you do the best damn show that you can do and then afterwards you make podcast out of it and you cut you cut up a clip for instagram and you see if there's a three to five to seven minute segment that would be a nice uh searchable clip for youtube and maybe you make a reel or a short out of it i mean you do the same thing i mean how many people are watching shouldn't affect what you're doing now if you're doing the kind of live stream where you just jump on and you want to just sort of chat with your community and answer questions then you need to come with either come with some questions that you frequently get asked or or have a fallback or be experienced and confident enough to know that you can just start talking about something and you know that's going on in the industry or that you're interested in and you know you can you can stay on for a little bit but if you're not planning on making a podcast out of it and you're on solo you don't have to stay on for an hour you can stay on for 15 minutes and thank everybody for watching <laughs> is anybody right. there or not and and know that a lot of times um more people will see the replay and see your clips on social and see uh, the blog article that you write about it or or um, the YouTube video you create uh, or the podcast episode. So you put all those things together. You have to look at live streaming as a quick time to market for creating content. You do an hour live stream, you have an hour of content. If I tried to do a five-minute YouTube video from scratch, that would probably take me six hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. Like, yeah. So you have to look at it as it's it's one touch point with your audience. It's not the only one. It's one way, and it's particularly effective in engaging the people who really want to spend that time with you live. But understand that you're going to reach more people, even if you have a big audience. You're probably going to reach more people in how you repurpose and distribute that content after the live stream, plus your replay viewers as well. Mm. So we got a lot of good comments about that. Uh, Anna Gill says, agreed, show up with the same enthusiasm yes. as you would no matter the <laughs> viewer count. And she agrees, like, you can use that content for so many different marketing oh, yeah. strategies. And Gary's like, I love the part <laughs> where you said that. Make the best dang episode possible. As I cleaned <laughs> it up for our family viewers. Um, Grace, did Sorry. you want to say something? No, you're good. I'm just giving you a hard time. That's, a, uh, that's about the closest I've got to <laughs> being clean in seven years well, of doing this. Oh, uh, Grace, Grace curses like a sailor whenever we're I on am. Board. I'm over here. Like, he's over just, there with the mute button going oh, crazy. It's just, no, uh, listen, I, I off the air, everything. I can keep up, yeah. but I'm I'm pretty good at keeping you're good, it. You're good. <laughs> I have a family well, Jeff, audience. I think, I think we can move on to where live video okay. is going. Because all right. I think yeah. that because that's I think, you know, I'm curious about this because I get asked this all the time. What's the future of live video? And I'm like, uh, 
you know, it's not going anywhere. I mean, it's still here. Right. <laughs> so. so let's let's talk about that, because, you know, you know, we everybody did it in 2020. Everyone embraced social media because we were stuck at home um, and now everything's starting to get back to normal um, in person events. You know, Ross and I were just at one not very long ago in Florida together. A great breakfast. That was fun. <laughs> so but they're coming. They're coming back. Um, but it, so is live video dying out is, I guess, the question, Ross. Uh, no. What would you say no. to that? First of all, um, there's two different types of live video, right? There's the t- thing that we're doing now, which is a show and, and it's being broadcast out to a lot of people. And then there's live video on Zoom and for meetings and for, you know, sales pitches and, you know, for, you know, intra-office communication. And people are still working remote. I mean, not everybody's come back to the office. There's still a, a larger percentage of the workforce working remote, much larger percentage than there was even two years ago. Those people are still going to use live video to communicate in meetings and, and so forth. And so that skill set remains valuable um, and it still translates over as well to doing content that's public facing. Um, so I don't think it's going anywhere. The question is what type of content is going to be most effective for brands and creators. And I think based on where your attention is going to be this coming week, Jeff, um, I think you have a clue where I'm going with this. Right, exactly. Yeah, that is going to be a, a big, that's what I've been working on. But um, yeah, so I think e-commerce is the future of live streaming. Um, it doesn't mean that we won't do shows and we won't, uh, you know, do interviews and news and talk and have fun and everything else. But the e-commerce platforms are where the opportunity is going to be both to grow audiences and to uh, monetize. And we talked about a little bit at PodFest. I think for me, I don't understand. I I do understand because you can't batch them out. But I think a lot of podcasters are leaving so much on the table, but not doing a video podcast as well. Because we've been doing, I mean, I've been doing it since Google Plus days, doing a live show and a podcast just because I was lazy and I didn't want to have to do two things and you get so much out of both. And so I I will say that I think that like that's going to continue to increase because um, I think Tom Webster at Share of Ear said something about like it's YouTube is like the number third place where people are discovering podcasts after Apple and Spotify. And so it just kind of a no brainer, I think, for video and podcasting together. Yeah, I mean, when most people say, like, I'm starting a podcast, they're thinking about, like, getting a camera and a right. couple of microphones and and a mixer and putting it on YouTube. They're not thinking about distributing it through an RSS feed. That's something they learn when they decide, okay, what are we going to do? How do we get the audio to people to listen on their phone? But right now, if you ask people uh you know about podcasting in the general public um having video to go with it is is just uh, almost accepted as as normal um i i think that what's what you should do regardless of whether you only create an audio podcast for full distribution is you should turn your camera on when you record and i don't always do this when i'm doing an audio only podcast but i do it sometimes and 
the the reaction that you get to clips, how they're more effective having video clips than audio clips on social media and in repurposing. It's just it, it's a it's a great way of nothing else to promote. And then you can put you don't have to put the whole episode on YouTube. You can, but you can also put clips on YouTube and and let that be first of all, you can grow your audience through that, mm-hmm. but you can also have that be a way to uh you know draw people into subscribing to the podcast as well but i I think by recording video you have a chance to build an audience right on youtube that you know may never subscribe to your rss feed or whatever and and listen on a on an app and that's just fine because youtube's got a lot of tools for discovery for distribution for um monetizing you know you could do a lot worse than end up building a successful youtube channel out of your podcast (laughs) right and and youtube is actually doing is actually having more um podcast tools um rolling out in fact the they had a video from their creator studio about just about podcasting and how to find discoverability on YouTube. So it's a coming folks. So, um, I don't know who asked this question, Grace. I don't know if you see it in Facebook, but I do. I'll ask it. Okay. It it doesn't say who it's from, but it says, it says, what are the best ways to reach more people on social networks? It seems like no matter what they do, videos, slideshows, catchy graphics, it's always the same small group of followers and friends, and they want to know how to break out of this bubble. Well, that was what I talked about at, at, at PodFest, and, and that is uh, social just isn't that into you, the solo creator and small business <laughs> owner anymore. Um, no. The algorithms, the uh, your reach just isn't that good organically uh, compared to what it used to be. Um, so there's a few ways you can do it. One is you can partner with a brand or uh, an influencer who has a much bigger channel and perhaps they don't want to create live video content and you can use a feature such as we're using today uh, the pairing feature that restream has and perhaps you go to their destination and your destination as part of that that agreement but obviously that that includes having some content that that somebody else feels is advantageous. The other way to do it is to really serve that audience well with what your content is and then try and move them from social media to a monetizable platform. So Mm -hmm. you may not grow a huge audience and I can't tell you that you're, you're going to because it's really hard right now, to be honest with you. But what you can do is take your core audience that would want more time, more access, special episodes, courses, memberships, all sorts of gear, merch, all these different things, and come up with some way to monetize that audience by providing them with additional access, additional expertise, additional entertainment, whatever you can do that's above and beyond what you're providing to your, uh, to your audience for free. And, and then you look at a successful live stream based on where it fits into your overall business versus judging it based on social media metrics. Uh, that was Andrew Kavanaugh. Yeah. He, he dropped his name. Andrew, if you can, drop in the comments what type of 
what what your topic is or what type of content you're creating if it's a coaching or whatever let us know in the comments because I'm, I'm curious he's actually a photoshop photography oh. yeah. uh, expert and he's got a I think he's got a group with a i don't know does he even near a million people or something yeah. he's got a ridiculously large facebook group yeah uh, so but you know i think facebook isn't isn't showing live videos no. to most of your group when you and, go live and so what yeah so what we do is we have you know made partnerships and deals with other groups that we go into multiple times and now with the technology going live everywhere and every place is and being able to pull comments from that i think is very advantageous uh, advantageous um the other thing i would say is to break out of the bubble is get on other people's shows um and yeah. uh like i'm you know ross asked i was thrilled to be on his show you know that give got me in front of people's uh, that don't know me and like who is this weirded bearded guy let me see <laughs> what he's about, you know, uh, and, and doing that, I think, you know, saying yes, a lot to those things like Ross didn't pay me. I mean, I didn't get to use his email list or any of that stuff, but I'm visible on his show and doing that over and over and over again really does help you break out of the bubble. It, it just, it just does. And, um, the more that you do that and more people see that you're a good guest, the more opportunities you're going to have to be on those shows and your audience will increase. At least that's my been my experience. That's the same experience yeah. I had. I was on Fanny Dunnigan's show. She's uh, she does a lot of LinkedIn Live, LinkedIn Live focused content and about how to run a show on LinkedIn Live. And from that one interview that I did, I met her at a conference. From that one interview, like I, I get a, a, a new LinkedIn connection at least once a week. That's just like I know wow. once a week is done. But it's you know like I, like a big deal. It grows. Like yeah. I think yeah, and yeah. it was like. And it's people like I think it was one of like the executives at Southwest Airlines because he, Southwest is based here wow. in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Like connected, they're like, "Yeah, I heard you on Fanny's show. Let's connect." And I'm like, "Uh, okay." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very cool. Sure. Very yes. Cool. While we have time, because I mean, I you can tell I geek out about this stuff, and I we almost need to make this show an hour and a half or hour forty five minutes, but I get hungry. <laughs> And I have to have. I'm my just blood getting sugar. warmed up. Right? I know. Ross, Ross, you don't go. scare me. Yes. <laughs> this is this is this is this is another secret that we have is we have really awesome guests that we cannot yes. stop talking to. Right. And I, I think more often than not, we're always like, we need a part two, and then we yes. do a part two. And Ross will be back. I know he will. So, um, oh, yeah. but let's Thanks talk that. about let's talk about this because this is a really good book. And and one of the things, um, Ross, I think I love about your book is you really make it about your interview. I mean, you yeah. talk in it you give some great advice and but you really like hey these are the experts look at what they have to say and you break it down in a really cool way um if you would you're you're you just released in april your new book and like i said before it's i'm going to highlight it right now too it's over on uh, amazon live at the carousel and you guys can check that out but as you look at this part two is there an overarching theme that you have seen uh in that book that when, it, when you're talking about you know the digital trends and live streaming that that really kind of stood out to you this year? I, I think there's a few. One is the e-commerce thing that we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, not only Amazon Live, but the sense that this is coming to more platforms and that it's an important, uh, my way of talking about it is always, it's an important skill set to develop whether or not you actually are making money on Amazon, learning how to sell and talk about products and talk about brands is is valuable in and of itself and this this is going to come to more platforms 
Um, I think there's you certainly have a lot of references this year to the metaverse and what that is and the value of that. Some people have gone all in early adopting. Um, other people like myself are taking more of a wait and see approach. Uh, but that's that's certainly a big theme. Um, social audio is still of interest to a lot of people and also i think tying everything together right you're no longer a live streamer or a podcaster or a blogger or a video creator or a photographer you're you're all of these things um you're you're creating media in different forms and if you have a primary form of creating media you're multi-purpose, multi, you know, multi-repurposing it in every other format to reach people however you can, because there's no one way to reach uh, an audience for your brand, your business, what you're trying to accomplish. Mm. So, Ross, your brand, your bio because we did research before the show, your bio mentions your introvert-friendly approach to social media branding. I would love to know more about this approach and how you think it helps more people, I guess, adopt live streaming who otherwise might have been hesitant. So for social, let me start with social media. And and my approach to social media for a lot of people, right, who want to get started with social media or say, ah, there's no point, right? How am I going to grow a Twitter following now or whatever? My, my, my big thing is that you can use social media and what I, I call it the portfolio method. I probably could have come up with a more exciting name. But it's basically the idea that, you know, in the old days, if you went to a job interview for certain types of jobs, you might take your portfolio with them, right? Here's some articles that I wrote. Here's a, a picture that I painted. Or, you know, you show off what you can do, right? So if you think about your social media channels, not if you don't have a lot of time or you don't really have a lot of interest in being super active on social media, or you just find that that constant communication being on all the time is a drain of your energy think of your social media as a portfolio and think about that potential customer who who hears about you that warm lead right and then they put your name into google and they want to learn more about you they want to see is this somebody I want to do business with? Is this somebody I want to hire? Is this somebody whose show I want to go on or, or what, what have you? That, then they're going to – what results are going to come up in Google, right? Your LinkedIn, your Twitter, your YouTube channel. So if you do nothing else, have a good bio on, on each of your social. Have a, have a recent link as your featured link. Uh, have a good headshot. Um, have your last, have at least a few recent posts that show off something that you're doing. You know, if you have a, you have a YouTube channel, you may have a lot of, you may have a few video clips that really work well for you. Get those up front so that I can, I can watch those and then go, yeah, you know, I, I like this person. I like their vibe. I think I could work with them. I'm already favorably disposed to, to this person. Same thing with LinkedIn. You don't have to be posting all the time, but use LinkedIn articles to put your your best 
piece of writing up there and and then add it to your add it to your profile and share it out you know same thing with twitter you're doing something interesting take a screenshot take a photo put it you know tweet about it add a hashtag to the event or to you know let it be let it be searchable but most importantly let it be in your your feed because basically when people go to your your social they look at the first few things that show up anyway so if you're not going to be active uh, it's okay just get some good things up on each of those social and, and let it work for you mm, that is great advice um i need to go now that means i have to go think in my bios and figure out what i need to go do um but we are at our end of time tim tim goes let's go four hours well I need uh, a snack. Tim, I, yeah, I recently Tim. interviewed Tim about a 24-hour live stream he did. So, oh, that dude, is don't bonkers. ask Tim. I mean, Bog- watch yeah. the interview. It's amazing. But that like- is endurance. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ross, I want to let you have time to tell people where they can find out you, where, you know, your, your shows and podcasts and all that stuff is. So, where are all things Ross Brand? Sure. So, live stream <laughs> Dot com is the website for everything. Um, my my podcast is called Recordings. You can find it at RossBrandRecordings.com. And then for the book, just look at the carousel on Jeff's Amazon channel, uh, 100 Live Streaming and Digital Media Predictions, Volume 2. Uh, you, can click it, you can click it in the carousel, learn more about the book, uh, see the different versions and, and so forth. So thanks so much for having me on. This was a blast. Yeah, I, I was going to have so you sign fun. my book, but I don't want you to mess up my Kindle stream, screen, so that's why <laughs> I didn't do that when we were in Florida. I do a virtual signature. <laughs> that's right, exactly. So, uh, Grace Duffy, the amazing Grace, where can we people find out about Grace? You can find me here next week at our next show, Friday, July 15th at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. I am here, except when yes. I'm not, right, Jeff? That's, that is true. And next week we have the amazing Rich Brooks, who's going to be talking uh, to us. So get your questions ready. If you don't know him, he's a he's a really great guy. But you can always find us everywhere online. You can find us at Amazon Live, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, all the places. And we're a podcast. So we'd also love you guys. So your favorite podcast player, go there, leave us a rating review. That really helps us out. Thank you, Gary Stockton, Tim, um, Andrew, every Anna, everybody who left some great comments today we really appreciate you and all that you do thank you to our sponsors ecamm do not forget about going there and checking out their sale they have 30 percent off use the promo code july 30 and uh, you can get that 30 percent off if you are a new uh, streamer just socialmedianewslive.com forward slash ecamm and with that we'll see you guys next time bye everybody bye everyone social media news live